What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code ADVICES for some additional savings. Awesome high-quality supplements, sports stuff, performance stuff. Check them out. And if you have any questions, let me know. We've got a bunch of stuff going on today, Dave. We are going to discuss D-Ball only. We want to get your thoughts on that. We actually got a question on it, so I figured we'd make that a topic. We also have a... uh, a customer review. Remember you called our listeners customers the other week? <laughs> customer review. He sent us in his pictures. He wants a critique. Uh, so He's a brave man. A customer critique. Everybody's talking about this Zac Efron guy. I honestly don't watch movies, so I don't even know who he is. But I got pictures of him, and I want to know if you think he has been using growth hormone, and that's what's changed his jaw. So I wanted to get your expert opinion on that. Uh, plus, we have some questions, a uh, bunch of listener questions, actually, from the previous episode. Speaking of which, guys, if you enjoy the show, do us a favor, hit the like button. That helps to boost us up in the algorithm so other people see the program. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do. We have several programs coming out each week. Drugs and stuff is every Monday. We usually record about Tuesday, so drop your questions in the comments below. We'll tackle them for the next episode. What's up, Dave? Uh, not a lot, my friend. Not a lot. We are minus Christmas cabbage. What's up with that? Where'd he go? He's he's on strike. You do have Fuddy, though. We I gotta let everybody we, know Fuddy's in the room. Yeah, we've Fuddy. Fuddy has replaced Christmas cabbage. Christmas is trying to renegotiate his contract. He's apparently got a new manager and feels he's worth more. He's got a new though manager. I did have a, yeah, I did have a listener message me and suggest that he replaced you. Oh, me. Me? Yes. So we look, I got a picture of him. This is, let me see, it would look kind of like this. Hold on a second. Wait, let me see. Over a bit. That's it. <laughs> perfect. That is perfect. There we go. Yes. Christmas cabbage is going to replace Scott. Um, yes, he's, he's getting he's getting quite bolshy and demanding all sorts of things at the moment, but we'll deal with him. What uh, what the, would his voice sound like, I wonder? Because I haven't heard, so far, the truth is, Dave, I haven't heard Christmas Cabbage say a word yet. You know, I do you think he'd have a deep voice or do you think he'd have a bit of a high-pitched, girly, squeaky voice? I don't know. I don't know. Look, he's kind of got a beard, if I go like that. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> the questions. We did, we got people who commented back, too, we're like, what would our our followers, our viewers, be called? And I thought that Cabbage Heads wasn't that great, but we did have people who were like Cabbage Heads. We also had like the Cabbage Crew. We also had people to call them. They were like, you can just call us druggies, but I don't feel comfortable with that. <laughs> well, it's probably quite apt to be fair, but yeah, yeah, stuffies. Then how about that, stuffies? You know what, too? Uh, we got uh, a comment from a uh, very popular IFBB pro, Alyssa Kiesling. She's in the women's uh, physique division. She said, favorite podcast out. Love y'all. I gotta, I Thank a, you very much. I grabbed a picture of her. Check this out. She's This is, I think, current, too. She's, uh, she's rocking it. She's looking freaking good, man. I saw her turn yeah. pro at Junior Nationals. I believe it was 2018. Uh, I had a client turn pro at that show as well, uh, IFBB Pro Joe Russo. Uh, and so, you know, of course I was there, so I watched the rest of it. I saw her do her thing. She's a really good poser, and you know what she does, Dave? 
she we may have talked about this uh, for a minute before she hits like the real classic men's poses that you wouldn't expect on a woman a lot of times and she makes them her own like she'll do like some real frank zane looking stuff for instance mm. she's got a nice physique yeah she does she's put on a lot of muscle too in the last year or so she's been hammering it yeah. so, not sure what show she's doing so uh I guess our topic, Dave, uh, you know, we were going to talk about D-ball only. We had this question that came up uh, just this last show. This is from the last episode. Somebody said, uh, where is this one? I've got all these little windows everywhere. This was it. Uh, he said, what do you think about a D-ball only cycle six times per day to maintain somewhat stable levels? Uh, he says, I don't mind the straight liver toxicity. <laughs> Uh, so I thought, you know what? We've had a lot of people ask about oral-only cycles. We could make this our actual topic of the day. Uh, you know, besides D-ball only, orals only. What you know, you, you, a lot of the people say uh, on the message boards back in the day, like, don't know, man. You got to run test as the base. Uh, you know, for and we're speaking for men, obviously. But but what do you think? If it's an aromatizing compound, you do not need to run a test base for the simple reason, like D-Ball is a test derivative anyway. It aromatizes, so you're going to get tests, you're going to get estrogen. The The problem with drugs like Anavar and the DHT, like Winnie-based drugs, are that um, if you run too long, you will start to suffer the side effects of low estrogen because obviously you're not producing any. You've got no conversion. Mm. Now... An oral-only cycle will suppress your hormone levels, but what people tend not to realize is that you don't take an oral and then all of a sudden your natural test stops working. It's a gradual thing. Mm, um, yeah. So I, I've seen bloods of people four or five weeks into oral cycles with still a small amount of natural test production going on. Um, it does depend on the individual. And for most people, by about the four-week mark, you're going to be shut down. Hmm. But, I, you know, I have seen some production continue on a little bit longer than that. So there's nothing wrong with oral-only cycles. Length of cycle does depend on compounds. So you, um, a non-aromatizing DHT drug, so Anavar or Winnie, the main two, Oxy to a degree, um, you're not going to get away with wronging them for extended periods of time because you are going to start suffering estrogen problems. Okay. Um, whereas with um, D-Bolt, because it does aromatize, you're not going to have that problem of estrogen becoming an issue further on down the line in the sense of not having any estrogen. Mm. And, and as we know, estrogen does play a big role in growth. Uh, toxicity... You've got to be a little bit careful here. I mean, you, you can't take the piss with orals. There's no denying that. And orals do stress the liver. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're hypertoxic towards the liver. Yeah. Uh, because they have to withstand that breakdown, because they have to withstand second pass, as a result, they do stress the liver quite substantially. Liver levels are going to raise. Uh, and if you stay on for prolonged periods of time, this will start to cause damage in the liver. Yes. Sure. But, you know, a, 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 an eight, ten-week oral cycle is not going to cause your liver to crawl out your ass and run away. Uh, and obviously, you can you can take some protective measures in a way, stuff like TUDCA and, and, and things like that, in order to sort of support the liver to a degree. But there's nothing wrong with an eight, 
even a 10 week with something like Debo or along his cycle. Now, something that he says in the message, which I picked up on, was about dosing and splitting the dose. Yeah, yeah. He said six times a day. Now, orals obviously have short half-lives, so in general, they range between four and nine hours, depending on which oral you've chosen. So most people then think, oh, shit, okay, so in order to maintain levels, I need to split the dose up into multiple dosings during the day. The problem with this is twofold. Firstly, oral tablets are fat-soluble. If you take them in or around food, they will bind with non-digestive fats and you will lose some of the dose through your digestive tract. It will just basically, you will literally shit it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you're best taking them with a, a cod liver oil or a dietary fat that's absorbed. The next thing is that, if you're looking at, say, a 60-milligram dose of an oral, which is a decent dose of oral for an oral cycle, uh, and you split that into 10 milligrams six times a day, your super pharmacological levels are never going to get particularly elevated. Hmm. So as a result, you're not going to see a huge amount of impact from that. There is studies out there that actually show for an oral-only cycle you are better running single dose, one big peak, than you are running a lower, a spaced out dose, trying to keep levels permanent. You'll get better results off a single high peak dose. So if you're running oral only, you take it all at once. I remember we had talked about that not too long ago. And the, the caveat we had was uh, side effects, that if you were to take it all at once and you know once a day, and then you start getting issues, acne, for instance, you know, because you do get those fluctuations generally, I think, are what cause a lot of the side effects we get. So if you were taking it all at once and then you were to start getting acne or gyno issues, there's a chance you may be able to balance that out by keeping those levels, you know, more stable. Uh, but I, I think I'm with you. I used to always break it up uh, when I first started. But then I found, you know what, man, it worked like results were just as good, if not. I, I mean, hard to say better because it, it it's hard to make a comparison, but taking it all at once, I didn't put it this way. I didn't see a difference in results. It wasn't I, I think you can space it out if you're laying it on top of an injectable ah. because you're already going to have a base plateau that's going to be super pharmacological, so the orals on top are just going to peak it higher. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, size is an issue, but even then I would be reluctant to split it more than twice. Yeah, you bring up a good point, too, um, by the way. If you were using, say, test as a base, then it, test would be less toxic than, say, mm-hmm. in oral would. You actually could maintain your health possibly a little, potentially a little bit better because then you could use less oral. You know, you'll get maybe a, mm-hmm. a stronger effect to having that test base and then sprinkling a little oral on top of that instead of depending on that oral as your your main compound. And I will say, too, that... If that's the only thing you do, and you're doing that cycle after cycle, year after year, I could see there being potentially, you would have more stress on your liver. I could see that adding up, you know, over a period of five years, you know, versus. Yeah, no, um, I mean, I'm talking sort of singular standalone cycle. If you're going to do orals, eight, 10 week cycles, year in, year out, you know, repetitively, then you're going to start to see some liver issues without doubt. Yeah, uh, It isn't that long ago I had 
someone contacted me who had, um, and this is rare actually, it's not very common at all, but someone who had an oral induced uh, liver damage. Okay. Um, very badly damaged liver as well at that. Um, the, um, but in general, it, it's, I mean, liver damage starts simply in this way. You stress the liver. Yeah. So the first thing you see is your alt levels go up. And an alt acts like a rev counter. So a rev counter on an engine shows you how hard the engine is currently working. The higher the revs, the, the harder the engine is currently working. If you run an engine at high revs continuously, you're going to damage that engine. Sure. You're going to have a lot and of fun. And alt's very simple. You, you may have a lot of fun, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and alt's very similar when it comes to the liver. So a high alt or an alt that goes up isn't necessarily concerning unless it's staying up for extended periods of time, and then that high alt will convert to damage. And the alt is literally just shows you how hard your liver's currently working. Okay. So if you monitor alt, say, post-workout, you'll see alt go up post-workout as the liver starts to process all the waste that's come from the muscle during the workout. Yeah. So when you look at liver values, alt is how hard it's currently working. Alp and um, GGT are more indications of actual damage and actual stress on the liver. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. So have you ever done a an oral only cycle yourself you know i don't think i have yeah i have i have run the highest orals i've ever run which were in a cycle was a hundred hundred oxy and a hundred anavar together oh wow um i didn't run it for very long and it wasn't because of toxicity or any problems arising from it it was because the pumps were that crippling, it actually stopped me from training. Yeah. Just couldn't fucking move. Yeah, I got so pumped so quick. So I have tried an oral blast, but generally my oral use has been minimal. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. I've always liked oxys. Um, I've always found, I've always got on well with oxys as a drug. Never really had any mild appetite suppressant, but nothing, anything that caused the problem. Um... I mean, I've run Anavar, I've run D-Ball, I've run T-Ball. Um, not run much Winstrol, I must admit. I've only touched that maybe once. Um, but I don't think I've ever run an oral only cycle, no. Okay. Well, fair enough. I hope that this helps everyone. And a lot of our newer guys, we get questions like this. So I know a lot of times we kind of go to the more deep stuff. Uh, this is an opportunity for us to kind of like back up and, and kind of, you know, give some education to some of our guys who are newer. Um, There's, but the thing is, even with a 101 like this, you know, your, your grassroots basic drug knowledge stuff. Yeah. I mean, we've st we, we can still go into some deeper elements of it in the sense of, you know, peak levels and, and clearances and stuff like that, like we have done today. So Oh, for sure. There should, there should be something that everybody can take away from something like this. I would agree. Uh, we got a bunch of stuff still. So I'm just trying to see what else we have here. Um, you want to do our, uh, our our customer review? Why not? All right. Let me see here. Okay. So this is Joe. This is this is Joe. He's a druggie. Yeah. He's a druggie. Oh, I mean, sorry. He's a cabbage head. Yeah. 
<laughs> He's got a bunch of pictures. So I'm going to, I'll start here, uh, see what you think. And then we'll run through them. We got the, the front double bicep. Let's throw up a rear double. We got a rear double bicep here. He has a nice little uh, play area there down on the floor. Uh, yeah. He must have a, a youngster. Uh, let's see here. There was an ab and thigh. I don't want that one yet. Here's a lat spread, rear lat spread. He's got a little density going on there, doesn't he? And uh, here's a front lat. And we've got one more here, side try. All right. And I think he's from over by you, Dave. I think he's a UK guy. Okay. Let's, uh, you want to start with that front double? That's usually, obviously, the first pose. Besides quarter turns, this is the first pose that you actually hit on stage. And uh, arguably, the contest is decided through the quarter turns. But this is your first chance to try to really showcase your muscle. You hit that front double bicep pose. And I would say, first and foremost, posing isn't great. But I, I, that's obviously something he could change in a, in a hot minute. Uh what do you what are you thinking here, Dave? I feel like his strengths would definitely be those freaking quads and his arms. Yeah, um, he's not doing him any favors. He looks to have a really big, long peck. Mm, his okay. peck looks to be, to be quite deep insertions on on his frame. But I don't know if it's the pose that makes him look a little bit narrow across the shoulders or if he's just got unfeasibly long arms for his frame. Um, I think it's potentially the pose. He needs to open out more and get his shoulders to come further away from his, his head and this get his lats flared more. Because um, he, here's, here, I mean, he's obviously not scrunching down here, you know? No. Um, waist is nice and tight and small. Yeah, yeah. He's got, to be honest, I think he's got a good natural structure. I mean, obviously on that, the quads really do show. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. His, his quad development is is very good, but unfortunately is overpowering his physique a little bit. Um, arm development's decent. I would have said probably needs a bit more bite to balance the arm. Hmm. Uh he looks to have the potential to have a really good, solid, thick chest. Yeah. Um, and and really the standout from that is he's weak in the lat, and that's mirrored when we go to the back shots as well, that his lat development is not very good. Um, and that would that be the, the area I would probably be mainly focusing on. I feel like he's um, not doing himself any favors in this pose because he's pinching his back together. Yeah. But I would still agree with you. Uh, you know, if you were to bring up one thing, his back would make a difference. But posing is obviously making a difference here, too. He's kind of he's pinching yeah. back, you know, he's kind of going like this versus thinking wide. Calves are good. Yeah, hamstrings are potentially a little bit out of balance with quads because his quads are just so dominant. Yeah, they're fucking nuts. Uh, rear delt again is out of balance with his rest of his shoulders, so he needs to bring his rear delt up and and his back in general. Even taking the pose into consideration, I still feel he needs to bring his back up in general. Yeah. Um, 
And again, the biceps are more evident from the back that he could do with a better peak and a bit more bicep development to balance that arm out. Mm. Uh, but really, I mean, overall, the thing that stands out is just his back. I, I think everything else is in a pretty good position. Um, and it, it's mainly his back that lets his physique down at this point. Yeah, I mean, realistically, we're talking, I think, like posterior chain in general. Bring up your back hamstrings come up along with that you would he would have dude let me pull up that side tricep shot i think that was the first one he sent here yeah let's see how his leg looks from the side i mean with that quad if he's to bring up that hamstring he would have the nastiest legs you know what i mean yeah like from every angle like the quads are great and i think that when we get started in bodybuilding we find those areas that come out first now a lot of times you get guys who are six months in and they're like, I really need to focus on my hamstring now. And it's like, no, no, no. You just need to grow everything. You need to grow your entire leg. Don't stop training your quads, you know, that kind of thing. But now he's advanced enough that it's like, yeah, whatever you're doing for quads is working. But if your quad doesn't grow at all in the next year, and you grow a shit ton of hamstring, then you've done yourself quite the service, you know? Tries good in that shot. Rear delt, again, does look a bit lacking in that shot, but you can definitely see that the th- he could really have a slab of a chest on him. He's t- and I don't think his chest looks bad now, man. He's got some density. No, I don't there. think it looks bad at all, but I do think because of the, the incitation length he's got there, he could really have one hell of a thick slab of a chest on him. I think I right. actually think he's got a lot of potential. Yeah, yeah, this guy could do this guy could do well. I he sent me an email too. I don't have the details of it offhand right now. I just grabbed the pictures, but uh yeah, he's got a he's got a lot going on for him. Most guys don't have calves right, you know, at this at this point anymore. Mm-hmm. So kudos to him there too. I see what you're saying on the tricep. And I and I feel like when you have two muscle groups that are close together, uh it's hard to make and one of them's good, like the triceps real good. It's hard to make both of those things look really good. You know what I mean? So uh, his his tricep, or excuse me, his rear delt being weaker uh, stands out to us more because the tricep is a really good body part on him. Mm-hmm. He's also got a small waist as well, which is, is, is helping him a lot. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. Let me see. I'll pull up that front picture one more time. Anything uh, we didn't say too much here. You know, let me look at his back again in this in this shot. We didn't put this one up for long. So looks like he has more you know density through that upper back. Just lats, getting those lats. Yeah, thicker, it's just getting them to hang. You know, mm-hmm. he has nice insertions, nice low insertions on those lats. Yeah, I, I, I genetic wise, I think he's got good potential. Um, it's just a case of finding what works for him with his back. Yeah. Um, back is a difficult body part. I mean, I'm making assumptions here, and I know we shouldn't, but with the yeah, leg development being what it is, I it would suggest that he's not afraid to train hard. Yeah. Because they always, you know, big big legs, big back, as as long time has been said, they're the hardest ones to develop because they're the most taxing on the body. So if you've got a good set of legs then chances are you're not scared of giving it some bilio in the gym. Some what? So I would suspect bilio. Bilio? Some effort. Some effort. Oh, some bilio. Yeah. Uh, so I suspect that the back development could potentially be down to um, 
just not really finding getting on with the exercises he's using for back and not really getting the engagement he needs to out of back. Yeah. It could be potentially form issues um, because everything else seems genetically to be very predisposed to, to grow. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, feel, I feel like um, you know a lot of guys I've talked to that want to grow their back. I ask them what they do, and they tell me like, "Okay, I go from uh, pull down to hammer strength high row to hammer strength low row to seated cable row, you know, something like that." And I have to, so I want to say, if he's not using barbell row, dumbbell row, T-bar row, to make those things your best friend, because those things are what are going to put on that thick, solid mass, you know, versus versus a machine. They're great after you're already fatigued from having nearly killed yourself with dumbbell rows. You know what I mean? Then you're more state. You can stabilize in a machine. You can really push further. You can do a lot. But I think especially for somebody who's trying to grow new muscle, free weight movements are really great. I think one of the issues with back training for a lot of people is they tend to try and move too much load too soon mm. rather than focus on actually getting the back to engage first. That's good um, it's not the easiest muscle to engage because you can't physically see it. Yeah. And it doesn't really have a lockout point. I mean, you know, when you're pressing, that's the end of the press. It's because your arm's straight up, yeah. forward, whatever it is. With a back, there isn't really that point. You sort of keep going. Um, so I think sometimes focusing on feeling the back and feeling the muscles working and then starting to push the basics for some drive would be yes. a very good way to move forward from where he is. Um, but overall, no, I'm um, solid little physique. All right. I uh, We had a bunch of questions here, Dave, but somebody sent me this. I wanted to play it for you. Hold on a second. Tomorrow. 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 It's tomorrow. Not tomorrow. Butter. Butter. Listen. Butter. Butter. Tomorrow. Comments? I'm not sure what you're trying to insinuate, Scott. Just sounds like a gentleman repeating somebody else. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow and butter and butter. Tomorrow. Yeah, what's the problem? How do you say it? How, how do you say tomorrow? I'm what? just curious. Tomorrow. Was there an, an tomorrow? Tom, tomorrow? Tomorrow, yeah. Tomorrow. I like that. One of our listeners sent that to me. He was like, oh, my God, it's Dave. <laughs> I just figured I'd throw that out there too. You don't sound. You don't. For a man that it. says aluminum, what is it? Aluminum. You know, <laughs> and, and can't say caramel and and various other words. You have no room to sit there and discuss my pronunciation of the English language because it's far better than yours. Caramel. They only say that on candy bar commercials with smooth rich caramel. Caramel. Yeah. And then we're like, caramel. Calm, calm, no, caramel. We pronounce it caramel. <laughs> All right. So we do have some questions. Uh, oh, sh- I almost forgot about this. First of all, do you know who this guy is? That's Zach Efron. Do you know what How movies? I know that, I don't know. Or he does don't. movies, right? Yes. He's, he's a very... I believe he... I believe he came to fame for being a sparkling vampire, but I could be wrong. Oh, he looks at left picture. He looks like he would be a sparkling vampire, doesn't he? 
Yeah, the um, Twilight series, whatever it was fucking called. I'm sure he's out of that originally, but he may huh. not be. I may be wrong. Guy on the right. Anyway, you're asking. Guy on the right, he yeah. does not look like he would be in Twilight. He looks more like he would be uh, on a football team. What are so to be? Yeah. To me, I mean, obviously it's the same person, but it looks like an extra out of eighties Baywatch or something. On the right, <laughs> he's, he's, he does. He, he seems to have more that look. He loves like a retro look on the right rather than a, a current, but. Yeah, he's had surgery. Is is this what we're discussing now? Have we got into cosmetic surgery on this show? <laughs> yeah, well, here's another picture. And I don't even know if that's the same guy. Is that the same guy? Oh, it just, it just looks a knob on the left. I mean, come on. I mean, that just looks a fucking dick with that half mustache, half beard, and that whatever that fucking is on top of his head. So he's got a lot of hair, though. He's got a good hair, head of hair on the guy. Yeah, yeah. that's that sort of hairstyle someone called Scott would have. <laughs> so... Here's the deal. Uh, I've heard this controversy. It was on a local radio show. And then since then, I've seen other people discussing this. The local radio people were like, well, you know, he's been in a lot of movies and who knows what role he's doing. Uh, if you take the HGH, the HGH can change your jawline. Uh, it's very possible that he's using the human growth hormones. Uh, and, and I looked at this, and I had my own opinion, but I wanted to bring it to you, Dave, because we wanted to get Dave Crossland's opinion on Zach Efron today. That's where we're going with this. Is he juiced up here? Is that what's causing this protrusion from the bottom of his face? I would suspect that Mr. Efron has a point used image and perform enhancing drugs, yes, but to me, that's surgery. Yeah. I think so. Even if you directly injected growth hormone into your chin, I don't think that you would get no, that. that. No, that's surgery. Okay. Uh, that's that to me is most definitely surgery. I should have titled this. This should have been our drugs in the news segment. I could have played the music. Hold on a minute. Hey guys, up next, drugs in the news. All right, I feel a lot better now. We're so organized on this show. Yeah. It's scary. <laughs> <laughs> We did get some good feedback. I got to tell you guys, thank you for all your comments on the last episode. Um, it's popping, man. It's uh, What would be a word in the UK that you guys would use for something that was lit? Right. Scott, I am nigh on fucking 50. Yeah. I do not understand the term lit. Okay, so like back in the day... What would you guys say? Like, like there was a party going on, and all the cool kids were there. All the cabbage heads showed up. What would you say? Like that party is exciting. Uh, what would be a word? Right. Like well, I suppose if you were going to use a a more slang term, you'd probably say it was banging. I like banging. We say that. That's I think even popular here now with the dubstep crew. It's banging. Or they even say a banger. Dubstep's old. Well, a banger is a good, good, good song, isn't it? It's a good musical tune. I see. We never said that. That's that's a your thing. That's not. That's not. No, that, that's definitely a. Yeah, definitely a banger is 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 a, a good song. Okay, it's a banger is a good song. With last episode of drugs, it's also stuff. a sausage as well. Don't a banger. That. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. You told me that before. A banger. It is also a sausage as well. But uh, yeah, I. I I, the thing is, a lot of American little phrases have come over here. Yeah. Um, so, but 
my teenage daughter speaks a language I completely don't fucking understand. Yeah, English? Oh, no, no. <laughs> so there's, there's, there's like if something funny, it's joke, which is no, a joke is something you tell. No, no, if it's funny, it's joke. Mm. And then you've got bear good and and. Oh, all sorts of peng and deng, and, and I haven't got a fucking clue, mate, honestly. Yeah, apparently we're old. So we appreciate you guys watching us yeah. uh, regardless, and we appreciate uh, you uh, watching the last show, last show and turning it into a banger. That sound good? Smooth, fluid? Very good show. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for watching another podcast here at Think Big Bodybuilding Media. And thank you to our great sponsor, TrueNutrition.com, for making this all possible. TrueNutrition.com is owned by Dante Trudell, the creator of DC Training. He wanted to create a supplement company that offered high-quality third-party tested supplements at a fair price. High-quality protein powders, just about every type you could think of. Huge variety of flavors, plus health and performance supplements. Check them out, TrueNutrition.com. And hey, if you use our code ADVICES, you directly support our podcasting. Thanks, guys. Let's get back to the program. Very good. All right. What do we got here? We get to our questions. Um, what is your opinion on berberine during the offseason, pros and cons? And when should someone take it and why? Is it a good supplement with huge post-workout meal? or before bed. Uh, thank you so much for your answer. I don't know much about berberine, just basic info. So a little discussion would be helpful. I highly rate berberine, mm. but I'll start with the cons. So one of the cons of berberine is upset stomach, mm. loss of appetite. Uh, it can trash some people's stomachs and it doesn't necessarily happen at the beginning, as in when you first start taking it, you can find you're okay on it for a few months and then you start getting problems with it and the appetite starts to get affected. I like to low-dose berberine throughout the day, take something with every meal rather than what is more common is a high dose with your largest carb meal. Mm. Um, I'm a great believer in maximizing your natural insulin responses rather than taking insulin as much as you could. There is a point when insulin can become necessary, but... Um, so for me, I would always move to make someone as insulin sensitive as they possibly can be on a natural basis. And berberine basically does that. So it's been comparative to metformin in studies without the dime size of metformin, I lowering glucose production from the liver. Mm. Um, it is a natural product. Uh, it's in a lot of GDAs and, and I, I find a small dose of say 200, 250 milligrams with every meal. Um, is really effective. Uh, and basically what happens in real-world terms is you make much better use of the food that you consume, and as a result, you're much less likely to gain fat. In it. Well, it reduces the potential of gaining fat in the off-season. Obviously, it's not going to stop a, a, a big calorie excess from putting fat on, but you will be much more efficient in the way you use the foods you eat, and you'll be much more likely to utilize the carbs rather than store. Um, you generally get better pumps when you're on berberine. You'll generally feel a lot fuller on berberine. But like I say, it's negative can be that it can upset the stomach and, and be quite damaging to the appetite. Now, I would say less side effects than metformin generally, right? 
Yes, I would agree with that as well, yes. Yeah. You know what I noticed interestingly with it lately is um, I've had, it, I shouldn't say lately, but I, I think it may have just recently happened. Um, it's something I've used with females oftentimes. I noticed a female uh, recently who started getting constipated. <laughs> Coincidentally, we had started adding berberine in. And we, I pulled the berberine out this week, so we're going to see how she responds. But if this is the case, it wouldn't be the first time that I've seen women getting constipated due to berberine. And I'm not 100% sure on why that is. Victoria actually might know. Uh, but I, 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 I think I've seen that more than once. I've, I've not seen constipation, but I've definitely seen stomach problems, bloating, um, appetite suppression. Um, and I've seen it happen quite rapidly. Yeah. But I've also seen it happen after somebody running it three, four, five months, and there seems to be a point where there's a build-up. Mm, okay. Um, but other people tolerate it really, really well. Um, but I'm a, I'm a big fan of berberine off-season, yeah. So I really rate it. Usually I see it about like 500 milligrams per cap. The studies I've seen are about 1,500 milligrams a day. And you split it up. I do that too. Would you do like 500 milligrams with three different meals, for instance? If I, I ideally, I'd run 200 to 250 per meal. But okay. if if I can't do that, then I'll do 500 every alternative meal. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. There's even studies comparing um, comparing berberine to metformin for women that have PCOS because they use. Metform, mm -hmm. if you keep with women who have PCOS, if their blood sugar goes up, it starts this whole cascade of hormones that basically lock up their mm -hmm. ability to lose fat. So being able to keep that under control is helpful. Um, if a woman were to suspect that maybe she had PCOS but hasn't been diagnosed and doesn't want to go down the, the metformin route, I think berberine is a great first choice. And that's what I'm trying to do with this woman now who's dealing with the constipation. So Keto works very well for PCOS as well. Yeah, because you're controlling the blood sugar, right? Yeah, yeah. So in, insulin is or insulin response is very heavily linked with the, with the the issues with PCOS, uh, and keto is another way of managing PCOS if it's particularly if it's a non-performance individual. Okay. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, let's see. Oh, Scott, any lingering COVID that you're dealing with? Hope you're feeling a hundred percent. Um, I have a similar question that I had uh, last time, though it did not make it onto drugs and stuff. That means we did, we missed his question, I think, last time. You, you missed his question. Let's see here. Um, There's no we in this shit. You fucked up, not me. So basically, if Christmas Cabbage takes over for me, he's going to take the fall. For situations like this. Yes. Okay. Oh, of course he is. Yeah. Actually, I'm all for it. I vote for Christmas Cabbage to take my job. <laughs> um, I have had, I've heard of different carrier oils causing C-reactive protein to go up in your body is having an inflammatory reaction to them, especially the synthetic carriers and super solvents. Uh, was reading MCT oil is the least inflammatory, but has the fastest absorption, leading to a need for increased injection frequency, even with sipinate and enanthate, uh, ideally at least every other day, uh, as it, does, it doesn't form a depot 
like castor oil. If a person was pinning a lot of gear, I assume using the least inflammatory oil would be ideal. Would the MCT oil and every other day pins cause an even more rapid clearance of the ester, as Dave has mentioned before? And also, I'll tell him that my COVID stuff is getting better. But Dave, I freaking... And I'm still trying to train. My lungs are still not 100%, but they're getting there. So I will keep you guys posted on that. That's all. So, yes, uh, varying carrying oils and varying solvents can cause an inflammatory reaction um, like anything. Uh, They can cause a histamine response. They can cause a few things, particularly if your body's not keen on it. Um, And as a result, you can see CRP increase you wouldn't see it increase to scary levels but you could definitely see it go above the recommended five um now carrier oil most most our single ester injections um are not going to work in a depot range so carrier oil is definitely not going to spear it's not going to change the ester attached to the hormone right um so you know your main depot injection really is probably nibido um whereas with 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 most especially ugl anyway with 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 most ugl injections that there's not really that much of a a a a reduced absorption through the carrier oil um so if you run an mct oil as your carrier oil which is perfectly viable there's nothing wrong with that um it's going to get absorbed into bloodstream slightly quicker, which means you might see a, a peak hormone level 12 or, or 14 hours as opposed to your usual sort of 20. Yeah. Uh, but it's not going to affect the ester attached to the hormone at all. So it does not in any way, shape, or form require EOD injections. We talked about something related to this on Muscle Minds, and I wonder if I can find the slide if I can pilfer Scott's slide that he sent me, I probably can't find it in time here. But it was interesting because what we found, let's see here. I'll do a, oh, I have a picture of Fuddy here. Fuddy's with us today. I'll put that up there while I look for this, uh, while I look for this this thing that Scott sent dis, me. Dis, distract him because you're disorganized. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, uh, he's sat down there snoring at the moment. But yeah, I mean, you know, um, Absorption rate can affect how the, the, the compounds work within the body and it can affect how you achieve peak levels, which is why sub-Q is used for TRT because it slows the absorption rate down. Yeah. Um, so you get a much more stable level and less of a peak. Why have we got a little bunny? And how is that so small? That's not even snack size. <laughs> I just found it. I figured I'd put it up there. That's all. I can't find it, okay. but it was interesting because um, what it showed was the uh, the they had castor oil versus a different oil that was, I believe, it was probably a, a lower viscosity. It actually went up higher. It the the peak was higher, and the the overall amount of hormone that was in the body was higher throughout. So you with a a thinner oil you would actually get higher levels, period. Uh, and, and it followed a pretty similar 
tracked on the way down, but basically it peaked higher and then they, they both kind of followed each other down on the way out. But it, there was no point where like it dropped off, I should say. So you get more out of, a, of an MCT than you would out of a castor oil in uh, in the half life shouldn't be changed. The oh, no, it's it's more the available hormone. Yeah. Initially, rather than the actual rate of decay, the rate of decay would be the same. Yeah. Um, what people probably don't realize is as well when you inject, the physical process of injecting can damage the hormone and can strip ester off the hormone. Um. So you can physically actually um, have a small impact on hormone levels. But what would happen with a thicker oil potentially is you would get small amounts of hormones trapped in the muscle for an extended period of time, um, which is the principle behind Depot. I, I realize that, but we're not talking the, the bulk of the hormone still going to enter the bloodstream. The bulk of the hormone is still going to circulate and decay at the normal rate with a thinner oil you're going to get a slight increase in what enters the bloodstream initially because a little bit less is going to be tied up in muscle fiber. But the difference isn't going to be huge unless you're talking very big doses where you'd see a marked difference then, I would have suspected. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Do you know what the do you know what the number differences were between the two? I can't remember. I, I just it was a – yeah, if I could – I'll tell you what. It's going to be out on Muscle Minds, which if you're watching this on Monday – it just came out a couple of days ago. So check out the latest episode of Muscle Minds if you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, it, 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 I didn't see the numbers, but it, it was notable. Like it wasn't just a tiny bit. Yeah, but well, I mean, are we talking 5N mole? Are we talking 50N mole? I can't remember, honestly. Like it just, just looking at a graph, it was an impressive visual difference. See, Christmas Cabbage would remember. He probably would too. I know. I hear Fuddy in the background, by the way. He's he's eating his feet, guys. Just ahead. No bed. Stop it. Buddy's hey. in the room. I know you guys Buddy. asked. You guys asked for this, basically. You asked for this. He's not going to want to stop chewing on his feet. He's going to be pissed at you now, Dave. He likes eating his feet. Don't you fuck it? <laughs> for Dave, and this is actually from one of our Patreon guys. If you guys want to check out our Patreon. We appreciate the support. He says, uh, hey, Dave, I'm in my off-season running two grams of test, uh, GH, SLIN, and occasionally some injectable oral pre-workout. I recently got two Intralex from the pharmacy, uh, 40 milligrams of IGF-1 in each vial. And I would love to hear Dave's opinion on how to incorporate these into the cycle. I mean, timing during uh, the when to use GH with insulin and when Incrilex and the dose. Is it better to take a lower dose for two to three months or a higher dose and finish these two boxes of Incrilex in two weeks? Thanks for your answer very much. I personally feel that the low dose approach is more cosmetic than productive. Um, so you'll be a little bit fuller. You'll feel a bit fuller. Uh, you should get a slight improvement in pumps and such, but I don't think it adds a great deal of dimension to growth as in physically growing. Um, to run it as you would or as you really should for 
proper stimulated growth, you're talking 0.04 milligrams per kilo twice a day. And you can go up to 1.2 milligrams per kilo twice a day. The problem with that is, one, firstly, the cost. Yeah, what, what would that come out uh, to? Uh, well, a 40 milligram, if you're 100, say you're 100 kilos, then you're running four milligram twice a day. Ooh, wow. So he's got enough. He's got enough for a week. Mm. So the first thing is the cost. The second thing is actually coping with how painful high dose acrylics is. Okay. So you're looking at potentially quite a lot of joint pain, especially jaw pain, toothache, mm. headaches. Yeah, it's not to run. But you've got to remember, you're pushing levels of a growth factor into your body akin to child growth. And as a result, your your body is is going to find that level of growth painful and difficult to do. I guess. Uh but yeah, I mean, I've never, I've never actually, I've spoke. To, I know one person firsthand that ran it at correct doses, and they lasted about ten days before they jacked it in because it was just too painful. Hmm. JP talked about running it at a JP ran it very low dose for a long period of time, and I, I personally don't think you'd get anything from it apart from a bit of fullness. Huh. Um, but. I don't know how JP could determine whether he was or not because it's not a single compound situation, is it? I mean, a lot of other stuff going on there. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not going to get into what JP runs dose wise, cycle wise. I know what he runs cycle wise, but it's it's not for, it's not for me to. If he hasn't put that information out publicly, then I'm not going to. Yeah, um, I think he I has, but he, I wouldn't want to risk saying something, you know, because he's in case he. Calls what he's put out and, and or or yeah, so, or if it's something he didn't say yet <laughs> you know what i mean yeah i mean it's it, i mean anyway i don't really want to focus on that sort of side of things but i know jp was was very very keen on running it low dose long term yeah um uh, i don't see benefit in that myself personally okay um I think a mildly elevated IGF one level over a sustained period of time is going to do very little hmm. because you just have to get to such high numbers before it starts to have an impact on muscle growth. Man, I feel like that would be uh, it's a tough decision for him to make then. Does he want to use all this all at once and then, you know, just kind of basically blow it all all in a very short period of time? And maybe not, maybe not get a lot out of that. Or does he want to stretch it out and not have used enough? That's a tough, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's, yeah, a, that's a tough one. Expensive. I mean, you really going to be committing several thousand to a proper IGF one in Krellix course, if mm. you want to do it properly. Like if you want to, and when you Please. say properly, you mean you're talking high dose. Yeah. Yeah. So, hmm. um, but then you are going to get very impressive growth off that. Hmm. Um, obviously, all other things being equal, like stimulus and food and everything else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was talking about timing with that. Um, I've heard a lot of guys taking it pre-workout 
I've heard a lot of guys taking mm-hmm. it post-workout. Pre, you'll get the pump effect. Yeah. So there is some argument there about increased blood flow, increased blood volumization, increased increase nutritional input because of that side of things. Um, if I was going to take low dose and want something off it, I would use it as a pre-workout pump agent more yeah. than anything else. Um, I wouldn't rate it as strongly post. Okay. I've only ever used LR3, so I can't it's not something I could really comment on. That's a that's a different beast. That's not that's basically it, there's no so LR3 has the extended release. Mm-hmm. This is basically instant, right? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Which ends why medically it's injected twice a day. Okay. Let's see what else we got here. Um Clen when you should cut Excuse me. When you should start your when you start your cut. There we go, Scott. Should you increase the test sip, decrease, or stay uh, for seventeen weeks? So I guess nothing about Clen. I don't know why I thought Clen. I don't see much point in reducing your test dose seventeen weeks out from a show. I mean, I would run it in. I might swap to a faster extra going close to the show, but. Otherwise, I mean, it depends what dose is on as well. I mean, yeah. are we talking 500 mega test? Are we talking three gram? <laughs> agree, agree. The, uh, <coughs> one thing I saw was, because I tried reducing the test, and the main thing that people, guys that had a lot more experience than me, pros, had said, test is basically, you're going to hold more size if you use more test, is really what it comes down to. So mm-hmm. it makes sense that the really big guys may be using a lot more tests because they've got a lot of size to hold. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the, you know, the, the risk of water, et cetera, is down to your estrogen management more than anything else. And Sure. Uh, I, I say this time and time again. It's not that there's particularly bad drugs. It's that certain drugs require more management. Um, and if you're not capable of managing those drugs, then you're going to have problems with those drugs. In mineral retention, and, and, that could be part of it with, with you know, more tests, more mineral retention. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. doesn't mean you can't manage that as well. No, I agree. Okay, this is a guy I work with, and he posted this up. I have a little more backstory because he asked me on text as well. And I told him, put it in the YouTube feed or I won't remember it. Immune system response while on gear. Um are you more likely to get sick or have allergies occur? He told me, so this is his second cycle. He said he got an upper respiratory on his first cycle. And he was like, I think I'm getting an upper respiratory now. And he's, he's on his second cycle. So the body can view the influx as hormone as a virus and can create an immune response. Sure. This is where we get test flu from. Mm. Um, the other thing, though, that can happen, and I know, I think it was Paul Borison was a fan of this. You, we very often carry bacteria, viruses around, and we don't actually realize we have them because our immune system does a good job of keeping them at bay and controlling them and dealing with them. Mm. If you go on cycle when you have a viral load that would normally be suppressed and controlled by your immune system, 
the excess stress caused by the hormone going in can quite literally overload your immune system so it can't suppress it correctly and as a result you get worse symptoms from that virus as you would have done normally yeah um, that makes sense. If your immune, if your immune, your immune system is not inexhaustible, um, and one of the problems and why you often see low white cells post-infection is because the available white cells have been used in fighting off the infection, and your bone marrow hasn't got to a point where it's produced enough new white blood cells to fill the void that's left behind. So if if your cycle has tied up white cell or caused a white cell response, it doesn't matter which of the white. I'm talking about white cells collectively rather than talking about basophils or, you know, any of the individual white cells. Then as a result, um, you could find yourself slightly more vulnerable to other bacterial loads or viral loads, yes. That makes sense. I had told him too that, you know, if, if you are stressing your body and you're create like, you know, people are like, yeah, I haven't had allergies in years. And all of a sudden I have allergies this year. I used to have them years ago and then I didn't for a while. I think another thing is the, that inflammatory response. If you, if the, the way I've thought of it is as a bucket and that each time we put a stressor into the bucket, we're filling that bucket up. And if your life is pretty low stress, then maybe you don't have maybe allergies that year aren't as bad. Uh, but then maybe you're like more likely to have a response when your bucket is already full. So, I mean, and we can look at like things start going haywire at the end of a contest prep. Somebody's under a lot of stress and that's not his situation mm-hmm. at all, but you're more likely to have issues. Maybe, maybe you're getting more. I've even noticed like my pain tolerance goes way down when I get really lean and I'm, you know, or when you're under stress, your pain tolerance goes way down. So you know, there are those factors that, you know, every nothing's permanent. Like, you're not like, oh, I have an iron. You hear people who say, like, I have an iron stomach. That doesn't mean you mm. do for your entire life. You know what I mean? It means no. you do now. Drug choices can have an impact here as well. Mm. Um, so for Trend, for example, Trend disrupts our natural anti-inflammatory processes. It, I didn't it know actually that. Cause- yeah, it, it affects the, I can never say this right, glucocorticosteroid receptor. You did it. You did it. Yeah. You I did had it. to say that bit by bit to get it right. Okay. <laughs> so, um, and one of the things that that does is, is prevent catabolism. Not that it's going to be a problem in an anabolic environment anyway. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that does is severely disrupt our natural information processes. And as a result, our bodies can't cope with inflammation very well, and we get quite inflamed. And that's part of why trend causes so many problems and why it's such such a draining drug to run. Yeah. Um, now, DECA, on, surprisingly, still being of the same Nandrolone family, actually has an anti-inflammatory process. Yeah. So DECA lowers inflammation in the body. Um, and so, uh, drug choices can have an impact as well on, on how you react to these sort of things. I was just looking around to see what else we had here. I was looking for like one more good question and, and guys, I, we did have a bunch, but if we, I, I have a question for you. Yeah. Are you going to start dyeing your beard and your hair? 
Should I? I don't know. I'm not so sure if the salt and pepper work. I think it works in the hair. I'm not sure it works in the beard. You know what I don't want to do? I don't want the beard to be one solid color. Do you know what I mean? Like where there's no variation. Because then it would look like this, Dave. It would just be like one <laughs> solid. Have you got a new one? <laughs> Listen, remember I got a six pack of beards. I don't yeah. know. You, you tell me. You tell me. Would it look better if it was one solid color? It looked better if it was ginger. There. That's good? Yeah, that's good. A little off center, but you guys get the picture. You're a little off center anyway, so that doesn't really matter. <laughs> oh, thanks, Dave. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I got. You got fluff in your mouth now. I do. It's. It was a. I committed, though. I knew it was going to happen. Um, yeah, any questions we didn't get to, guys, I'll, I'll be sure to make sure to comment. Um, we did get some stuff about Clen. Um, we got some, yeah, yeah, we did get, we got a few questions about Clen actually. Let's see. I'll grab, we'll grab one more of those. Um, oh, there's our anniversary question. Yeah. Well, somebody said cleaning cramping basically is what it came down to. He said he's getting muscle cramps at the gym while on clen. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I told him I thought taurine taken prophylactically taken before you get the cramps would be a good option. Taurine. Yeah. I'd also look at your, your electrolyte water balance. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not that. I mean, it's obviously Clen that's disrupting that, but uh, taurine will help with the cramps as well. Yeah. Uh, but you may just find you need to run a little bit more water and a little bit more salts to uh, minimize the cramps you're going to get. But it's not uncommon to hear of cramps on Clen. I have a question for you, Dave. Mm -hmm. If you were to do a podcast about anything any, that other than bodybuilding... Other than bodybuilding, uh, yeah. Anything other than bodybuilding, what would it be about? We could still do this show if you wanted, or Christmas Cabbage could take over if you didn't have the time. I don't think it would particularly be about a a subject as such. So it's like I wouldn't do a podcast today for argument's sake about drawing. About what? Uh, drawing. Oh, drawing. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, or anything that's particularly topical in the sense of a subject matter. Okay. Uh, but I quite like sort of psychology stuff. So, why people do what they do? You know, what are the motivations behind this? Why do you do that? Why do you do that? And the sort of life hack things and that sort of stuff. Yeah, we liked uh, the Dear Davey segment that we had. So, not necessarily life coaching. I don't particularly like that phrase, but I think sometimes it's just nice to hear someone talk openly and honestly about, you know, well, I've I've had problems with this. So they know they're not alone. They know they're not unusual because they have doubts about that. I mean, one thing parents often feel guilty about is there comes a point as a parent where you quite literally want to kill your child. Um, Should I cut this part out of you, the show? 
Should I cut the? No, it's because okay. you do. You, you, they, 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 at various points in their life, a child will give you that much angst that you just feel like. I mean, even as a baby, you'll you'll win them, you'll feed them, you'll you know you'll comfort them, and they won't stop crying. Yeah, it's four o'clock in the morning. You're knackered. You're getting up for work in three hours, uh, and you would never do it. But that doesn't mean that the urge to throw them out the window does not pass your head because it fucking does. I don't care who you are, because you just want them to shut up, you know, and um. I'm cutting this part there, out, just other, so you know. It's all getting cut out. There's, a, there's other aspects of, 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 of stuff like that, and it's just like you feel like you're the worst parent in the world because you've had this thought that you feel is completely immoral and wrong. And in fact, it's that there gets a point, particularly with babies, where you get so frustrated, so wound up, and you're so tired that you do think crazy stuff and you just need to put them down, walk away and, you know, have a cup of tea or whatever and go back to it in five, ten minutes' time. They're not going to hurt themselves even though they're screaming, you know. Um, it, it, it's things like that that just so you know you're not a weirdo. Um, so let me get it straight. Could we be like this is what the intro would be like? Welcome back to You're Not a Weirdo with Dave Crossland. Today, Dave's going to talk about wanting to kill his baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that could be something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I've, I've, I've wanted to murder my children on several occasions, but it's, it's, we, we, you know, we, we, got, we get it rammed down our throats that we're supposed to be positive and we're supposed to be this and. You're a failure as a family if you don't go out and walk around the park on a Sunday and all do things together and all this sort of shit. And it's like, fuck off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? There's so much pressure to be a certain way. And though part of being a parent and part of being in a relationship is doing shit you don't want to do for the other person's sake, if it's all that, then all you do is end up resenting the other person or resenting your kids because they yeah. stop you from doing everything you want to do. So there has to be balance. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong as a parent with being a little bit selfish now and again. It's got to be balanced. It's got to be in proportion. But when I think back to what my kids have had in comparison to what I got, they're spoiled fucking wrong. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I... Well, you guys I didn't even have for, cars. You guys didn't have cars back then, right? In the UK. Well, like you had a carriage. We, we was awesome. Yeah, awesome cars. But no, I mean, I remember wanting a BMX for my birthday, and it was £100, and it was a very expensive bike. And what? in order to get it, I had to save up. What kind of bike was it? It was uh, it was called Blue Max, and it was supposedly a Mongoose Frame and Forks BMX. Huh, okay. And. And I, I, lost, I honestly, I dreamed of this fucking bike for ages. Yeah. Uh, and the deal was, my dad would pay half, but I had to pay the other half, and that was a big present. That was a lot of money. Yeah. And yet these days, kids expect you to drop seven, eight hundred pound on a phone for the birthday. Yeah, yeah. And you just think, I've never had anything like that. You know, my phone was there was one in the hallway, which if I was on for more than three minutes, I got shouted at. Or I had to go over the road and stand in the drafty red box and put 10 P's in it to, to get a phone call. And that, that was how it worked. Yeah. And, you know, and so we, 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 we're under a lot of pressure to, to do certain things for his kids and, and certain ways. And 
I think sometimes parents just need, but it's not just about parenting, it's in general, you know. Um, a, f a, f a friend or a family member's died and everybody's upset and I actually don't feel that set. Am I wrong? No, nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't get particularly emotional around death, so it, it's there's nothing wrong with that. There's just little I mean, you're not Dave's new show, guys. You're not, you're not, when you're mourning someone, you're not mourning them as such. You're mourning your loss. Yeah. They're dead. Yeah, they are. don't give a fuck. Not to get too dark, but you are. I, I had to go to a <laughs> funeral last Thursday, and I, I actually thought about that because it was like I was there it, to it support the people that lost the person. And yeah. Yeah. It, it almost becomes a competition, doesn't it, as to who can mourn the most? And it's like, you know. That person has passed off their mortal coil. They are gone. They have no influence. They have no opinion. They're dead. And this might sound a bit cold, but your emotional response is you. It's got nothing to do with them. It's you missing them. It's you being selfish in a way yeah. about not having them in your life anymore because your emotions have no impact on them. They're gone. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't make it wrong, but it, it, it's just, you know, emotions of always and always will be a very personal thing. There used to be, um, uh, I watched uh, an episode of that show, Pawn Stars, where the people come in and they sell things at the pawn shop in Las Vegas. And this mm -hmm. guy brought in an old picture, had this like really ornate frame on it. And it was a morning picture. And it like back in the, I think it was the late 1800s. Like, mourning was a style. Like, it was a fashion. You would have mourning mm. jewelry. It was, like, all black. You would have, you know, close your drapes for three months or whatever, cover the mirrors. And you had to, all these processes of things you do, special clothes you wore. And it was, like, it was a very stylish, chic thing. And you'd hang that picture on the wall for mm. X amount of time. It was, uh, it was a, a fashion show. In America's probably not as bad, but... The UK has a very Victorian approach to uh, mourning death. So it's yeah. very solemn. It's very so you know somber and everything else. Uh, we don't tend to celebrate people's lives. We tend to be negative about their passing, whereas I feel a bit more like, you know, you should be celebrating the person's existence, not yeah. being miserable about their existence. Uh, and I've written in my will very strictly that under no circumstances should any lies be told about me at my funeral. That you were like a so, nice person and stuff? So it, so if someone thinks <laughs> I'm a cunt, then say it. You know what I mean? I don't <laughs> want people there going, well, you know what? He was a really nice guy. If you thought I was an asshole, then say it. I'd be more offended <laughs> by you saying I was a nice guy and not meaning it than I would by you saying, look, he was an asshole and I couldn't stand him. I'm actually only here to make sure he really is dead. That's mm -hmm. fine. I, I I accept that. You know what I mean? It's I don't have an issue with that. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Uh, I couldn't. I would hate to have my funeral be a lie. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I asked you a question about a podcast, and look where we went. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's what that's that's what my podcast would be. It would be that sort of shit. Yeah. My I suppose my my musings on life. You know. Yeah. Can we talk about scooters sometimes, though? Like, cause you got your, you know, your scooter and all that. I've not been out on it yet, but yeah, we can talk about scooters. You're supposed to send me a picture of what your street looks like too. Dave told me his street is too small for his car because it's a very old street in the country, 
I can't even fathom that. I feel like I could picture it in a movie. So Dave was supposed to like go out to his driveway and shoot a picture so I could see what I will do like. it. Uh, right. I'm, we're going to finish now anyway. I'm going to go for a piss uh, because if I don't, I'm going to wet myself. Um, <laughs> then, I, then I will take a picture and I will send it. Thank you, Dave. All right, guys, for another episode okay. of Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland, of course, go to crosslands.org.uk. You can reach out to Dave <coughs> there, check out his services. If you're local, go to eval. And, uh, of course, guys, we appreciate everything you do watching the shows, subscribing, commenting, liking, all of that. And check out True Nutrition, our great sponsor. Use our code advices. Dave Crossland? Yes, sir. You're not weird. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys. <laughs>